Today, we are looking at Psalm 139. Uh, Open before God, and we are doing a psalm, uh, another psalm of David. And uh, I think, again, it's one of these psalms that just kind of reach out and reach out and grab, grab you. So, Psalm 139, reading from the Message Bible. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go from your, excuse me, <laughs> the King James says, can I, uh, if I take the wings of the morning and go to the othermost parts of the earth, you know, is there any place I can get without you? So this is, is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I'm marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculptured from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watch me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared. Before I'd even lived one day. Your thoughts, how rare, how beautiful, God. I'll never comprehend them. I couldn't even begin to count them any more than I could count the sand of the sea. Oh, let me rise in the morning and live always with you. And please, God, do away with the wickedness of, um, and do away with wickedness for good. And you are murderers, out of here. All the men and women who belittle you, God, in. in infatuated with cheap God imitations. See how I hate those who hate you, God. See how I loathe all the godless arrogance. I hate it with pure, unadulterated hatred. Your enemies are my enemies. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. This psalm, is, as I say, it is a psalm of David, and it is considered by some to be one of the most excellent psalms that he has written. What we see in this psalm, and, and it, it, it is amazing, how that David begins to tell us about the attributes of God, tells us about the qualities of God, and he tells us about them, and there is this, well, how did he know that? How did he come to this realization? There's no books and there's no theological studies and things, 
But we see David and how that he is in his meditation and how that he is thinking and seeking after God, he is able to see these concepts of God and sees them in a way that he's able to relate to us exactly what God is and what God knows, what God can do. We learn the doctrines of omniscience and that God is everywhere present. These we see in verses 1 through 6, and it talks about how that God is everywhere present, and if God is everywhere present, he knows all things. And then he made us, therefore he knows us. So not only does he know all things, he knows us. And he knows us to the point that scripture says he knows the very hairs on our head. So how does David then know this character of God so well? How is he, you know, where did this come from? Well, <laughs> he states that God knows our hearts. He knows our motives. He knows what we're thinking, and he knows why we're thinking it. And these are not qualities of, of how that God is marking down in the book of one all the things we've done wrong, and he's going to get us for them. He's telling us how well that he is acquainted with every aspect of who we are. How well he is aware of every portion of, of our life and the lives of the people around us, the society we live in, the world that we live in. He's telling us all these wonderful things about God and how, how great they are. And he says the strength that, that David uses this knowledge then about who God is, what God knows, that God's presence is everywhere. He uses this knowledge to combine with God's love and he then brings it with, uh, into our own hearts and applies this knowledge of God to our life and gives us this sense of, wow, God is really here. He's really involved. You know, this knowledge, our faith, our belief in God, that this belief in God greatly influences who we are and what we do. So David is saying to us, that God knows me from my, and we'll talk about this a little more, but God knows us from our mother's womb, right up until the time we're born, right up from the bone, the bone by bone, bit by bit. He knows every aspect of our being. Did you know that what we believe affects our political views? What we believe affects our relational views? Are what we believe affects how we treat other people, how we treat each other, how we even look at ourselves. What we believe has a direct impact upon everything in our lives. And we see that people who don't have God, we see people who don't have a relationship or don't have a faith in God, how that that lack of belief affects their life. That's why there's such a diversity. There's such a very great division between people who believe in God and that there is a, an ultimate accountability to life and those who don't believe in God and that there is no accountability. Only what I can achieve for my life. And so there is this division that is really coming in our society. Years ago, there was a great area of gray in the middle. There were extremes in the, our faith, people who were believers, and there were those who didn't believe, and there was this big group in the middle that was, you know, 
we're, we've, we've got a lot believing in faith, involved in church and involved in religious organizations, at least call themselves religious and at least claim to have a faith in God. Well, now it's kind of that group in the middle is becoming very small and it's polarized. And so we have our, especially in the political system, trying to pull us in one direction or the other. But our belief system, or lack thereof, is the one that directs us, uh, directs us. So David here, he begins by declaring that the God whom we serve has perfect knowledge of us. You know, and as I was reading this, I was thinking, well, how does David know this? Where did he read that God has perfect knowledge of us? He's this shepherd out on the, out on the watching his sheep. He's this, you know, young man fighting Goliath. He's this leader of the armies of Saul. He's this man fleeing from Saul, uh, uh, fleeing for his life. And eventually he becomes king of Israel. And where is all this coming from? Where is this knowledge of God and this understanding of God coming from? It's coming from his relationship. It's coming from his relationship with God so that all of the actions... David says, of his inward part and his outward part. They're all naked and open before God. There's no dressing them up. You can't dress up your, your bad thoughts or your, you know, you can't dress up, uh, you know, you can put, you can put a, a, a gown on a pig, but it's still a pig, you know? It's just going to get dirty. Well, you can't dress up our, our wrong motives. You know, about how you dress them up, they're either right or wrong. They're, and I know that there's such a... Um, um, hard way to say what's right and what's wrong as far as our society. Well, what you think is correct. And so, but there, God still gives us his basic Ten Commandments. You don't lie. You don't steal. You don't kill. You don't bear false witness. You don't, you don't do these things. God says that for what reason? To protect us. Protect us from ourselves and protect us in our relationships with others. Verse, verse 1. It says, God investigate my life. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm going to book to you. God, and David is saying, God, I want you to look at who I am and do an investigation. <laughs> you ever want somebody to do an investigation on you? <laughs> you know, I don't think so. Uh, God, I want you to know all of my inward thoughts, all of my motives, all the things that I've said and done inside, Lord. I want you to investigate them. Anyone signing up for that one? <laughs> you know, no, we're not going to sign up for that one. Why? Because we know that there's things in there that we don't want, you know, we don't want to put in a newspaper, right? So, well, God, no, David is saying, God, I want you to investigate all this. And we see that God knows our imaginations. He knows what we think. He, say, he goes on here, I'm an open book. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. That God's understanding of us is so focused. And, 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 and you think of it in the context, well, is God paying attention to anyone else but, but, but me? And the answer to that is No. He has given to us his undivided attention. 
except there's enough of God that he can give to every person who's ever lived his undivided attention. So he's not like us. You know, I can't pay attention to conversations, you know. You know, Rhonda can do that, but I can't, you know. You know, some people can't chew gum and walk at the same time. Why? Because we just kind of, you know. But God can, can pay attention to everyone. We can have the undivided attention of God. Everyone who's ever lived, each individual can have the undivided attention of God. And, and David is saying, God, you know me so well. You know when I get up and go out of the house, and you know when I come back. You know everything I'm going to say. Okay? The conversation you're going to have later today, God already knows it. Before I even start the first sentence, God knows it. And then we go to this, I look behind me, and you're there. God is behind me. Then up ahead of me, and you're there. You're reassuring presence. This isn't about, okay, Ruth, I'm going to write this down. <laughs> Let me, okay, thought number one. Okay, you know I'm going to get you for that one. <laughs> thought number two. You know where you're going to go with that one, don't you? It isn't like God is telling us, you know, he's trying to mark down all the things wrong with us. He's checking out all the things right with us. God can never have a bad thought about you. What about my bad days? Doesn't matter. God doesn't have bad thoughts about you. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The condemning spirit doesn't come from God. And David here in this relationship with God is saying, that God knows everything. He's in front of me. He's behind me. He's ahead of me. His reassuring presence, he, God's reassuring presence has got me coming and going. <laughs> no matter whether I'm coming or going. You know, some people don't know if you're coming or going, right? You know, why am I here? I don't know. Well, I better check out. Well, am I coming or am I going? Well, in a little while, we'll be going home. But until that time gets here, you're still here so God his reassuring presence is coming and going David said this is just too much for me how wonderful how marvelous is all this I can't take it all in I just can't comprehend all this and this is one of those places where we just need to sit down someplace and think about this you know, just sit down and think about it. Whether it's in your room, or whether it's on the porch, or whether it's in the woods, whether it's in your car, just, no, you don't want to think about it while you're, you want to think about it, you're driving. But when you arrive someplace, it's one of these psalms that you, we just need to sit down somewhere and read about it and think about it, meditate on it, and allow the understanding of what David is telling us to soak in. That God, he knows all about me, so David's saying, investigate me. God who knows all things, investigate me. See, the godly person wants to know everything that 
not every, you know, we say, well, a godly person wants to know everything that's wrong with him. Well, we want to know the things that are wrong so that we can get rid of them. God, I want to know everything that is good about my life. Because the good about my life that God is working at will overpower and overcome the bad. If we said, you know what? God needs to show you all the bad things in your life and then you need to change them. Well, you can't do that. (laughs) It's why our prison system doesn't work. You're going to be punished for all the wrong things you've done. And, you know, and people need to be punished, and some people need to be locked up. But being locked up ends up, what do they need? Does it really meet their needs? It isolates them from society, but does it really change them? And some people need to be isolated from society. I'm not, you know. But the challenge is that we need to be changed, and the only thing that's going to change us is Christ. And so when I'm looking, God investigate my life, know my thoughts, know my heart, know what I'm thinking, know what I'm, God, you know what I'm going to say. Give me guidance in what I'm going to say so I say the right things. How many always say the right things? How many fail at saying all the right things? Yeah. The rest of you don't say anything, right? So, now, um, Jose with um, the youth, I'm bringing them up here now. You knew I was going to nab them sometime. But they wear those little bands. And some of the bands are for when you what? You say derogatory things or wrong things? Uh, lying. lying is one of them. <laughs> so you, if you have a band on and you lie, you're supposed to take it off and put it on the other arm. So you remind yourself, don't do that. Well, sometimes I'm not lying, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm just exaggerating in a very real way. <laughs> that's lying, see? <laughs> yeah. You see, that's lying. I'm just exaggerating, you know, but no, that's a, that's a lie. So you have to change the band. It's like, you mean I can't exaggerate? No, that's bearing false witness. <laughs> okay. But I was just kidding. No, you've still been lying, you know, and sometimes I do that and it's not right. So David says, verse 7. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? God, can I go someplace where I don't have to live like this? (laughs) You know, changing the wristband all the time. Is there any place I can uh, avoid your spirit to be out of your sight? Is there any place? Ah, so he goes through the list. I'm going to climb to the sky. (laughs) Doesn't work. Why? God's there. Remember what he said just a little bit ago? God is behind me. God is in front of me. Ah, I know what, I'm going to go up. I'm going to go to the sky. No, he's there. If I go underground, the King James says, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. Now I know what. I'm going to take the wings of the morning. If I can travel at the speed of light from one mountain peak to the next one, and get there as fast as light gets there, God's already there. How does David know this? How is he aware of this? He's aware of it because of his relationship with God. He's aware of it because inside of his heart there's this, there's this desire to know God. Inside of our lives, 
There is this desire to know God, and we are slotted. There's a, there, it's like there's, there's part of who we are that is made for God. And when we hear the truth of God, it just, it just fits right in there. And what we try to do is, well, it won't hurt if I lie a little bit. <laughs> it won't hurt if I, you know, this one thing isn't going to, <laughs> and it just kind of tries to make God's image like me. And God wants to make us like him. And so you find me in a minute. If I travel at the speed of light and get someplace, you're there. You, you find me in a minute, in a moment. You find me. I think that I'm lost, and I'm not. God's there. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. What is sometimes our most frightening places? Almost always. It's when we're in the darkness. And I'm not talking about the dark of night. I'm talking about the dark that is total darkness, of darkness of being separated, the, tar- the darkness of being alone, the darkness of you know, not being able to know that God is there. I said to myself, hmm, he sees me even in the dark. At night, at night, when I am isolated in this darkness and can't see my hand in front of my face, I'm immersed in the light of God. God's light is there. You know, and and of course, David, being this shepherd out out on the hillside, I'm sure that there were nights that the sky was black and the stars were clouded over and it was just the darkness of night. And he says, all of this is light to God. There's nothing here that God can't see. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same. You see, how does our belief and our understanding of God's complete and total knowledge of us, how does that fit into our life? How does that fit into our thoughts? My yesterdays, God knows them. My tomorrows, he knows them. He knows my sentence before I say it. And it's a loving, relational experience that holds me in the darkest places my knowledge of God fits into the darkest places because God is there and there's no place I can be that God isn't he says when we hear the truth see when we the slotted part of who we are when we hear the truth that truth fits God's spirit causes us to understand what that truth is and make it fit into the slot of my heart where I I know and I need God. Verse 12 says, Oh, see, see me in the dark. Darkness isn't dark to you. You know, darkness and light, they're all the same. All the same. There's, There's no night. There's no distance. There's no... He's beginning to get this understanding as he's writing this and, and, or he's formulating his thoughts here and the Spirit is making it real to him, to David. It's like, I, God is there everywhere. 
behind me, in front of me, the height, the depth, the darkness, the light, my thoughts, tomorrow's thoughts, my next sentence. God's there, and he loves me. Oh, yes, and then, that's not all of it. You shaped me first inside and then out. You shaped me first inside and then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. You formed me in my mother's womb. You knitted me together. Then the second, I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I'm marvelously made. My body and soul is, I mean, how does the mind work and how does the eye work and how does the eye see and, and, and be able to interpret? How does the ear hear and be able to interpret and understand? How does all this work? God, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I worship in adoration. What a creation! What a creation! He looks around and he begins to see not only the beauty of the universe, but the beauty of of creation, of, of us coming together as a person, of you as an individual. What a beautiful creation. Look at somebody say, boy, you're beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to take that on for a little bit. (laughs) Okay, which which side do I want to look here? (laughs) Not that way. (laughs) You're beautiful. Why? Because you're created and slotted. Inside of you is slotted these places, this piece of the puzzles that you can't put together. God fits right in there. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculptured from nothing into something. <laughs> like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were shaped before you. All the stages of my life. Now, sometimes we, we have a, a way of thinking of life being a stage and that we're performing and that we are actors. And actors in the old English is a hypocrite, someone who is playing the part of something they're not. God doesn't want us to act the part of something that we think we should be. He has created us to be the person that we are. And you don't need to be someone else. You don't need to be anyone else but you. And as you develop you, everything that we need is in there. Everything that we need that God has fitted together inside of us, everything that we need is in there. And life situations are about pulling out what's already there bringing out, to bringing to the surface the things that God has placed there so that we could become that person. Well, what about this problem? What about that problem? Well, what are you going to do about it? How are we going to deal with it? Let's take the knowledge of God's love. Let's take the knowledge of his forgiveness. Let's take the knowledge of his ability to create. Let's take the knowledge of his God's way of working 
Let's take the knowledge of God's power and of his presence, and now let's start putting that into our life with our difficulties. And we begin to see God is at work. Not through the rearranging of circumstances, but the rearranging, not rearranging, bringing out the qualities that are already there. The qualities of tenacity, of being able to hang in there, being able to do, being able to think, being able to work, being able to make a difference in people's lives. Verse 17, your thoughts, how rare. <laughs> Sometimes we think, well, his, his, the rarity of his thoughts. He doesn't think of me very often. No, it's not that. All of the minute qualities, the rareness of each individuality, that how rare is your thumbprint? Your thumbprint is yours. Nobody else has one like you. That's a rare quality. The rareness of your qualities are there and we try to lump them together. We're trying to fit into a mold or someplace that makes us something that we're not. And it's, God doesn't want that. He wants the thumbprint, the rareness of who we are. How rare, how beautiful. Okay, go ahead, hit him again. You're beautiful. Do it, go ahead, you're beautiful. For everybody, do that to somebody. Well, they're not very beautiful, you know. <laughs> God looks on the inside how rare, how beautiful. I couldn't even begin to count them. How rare, how beautiful, the qualities of your life. David says, I can't even begin to count them any more than I could count the sands of the sea. I can't begin to count the sands of the seashore and I can't begin to count the rare and beautiful qualities in you. This is a revelation from God to David to us. Oh, let me rise in the morning and live always with you. When I awake in the morning, let my first thoughts be about the greatness of God. And please, God, do away with the wickedness, the murderers. Get them out of here. All men and women who belittle you. God, their life will amount to nothing. And their criticism of you will only hinder their value in their life. See how I hate those? And David goes on, how I hate them? Those people who hate you, God, have missed the boat. They don't see your hand. They don't see your working. They don't see any of this. Your enemies are my enemies, God. Don't, get, don't allow me to be involved with these enemies in my life and of your life. And then it closes with verse 23 and 24. It says, investigate my life. What do you start out with? God, investigate my life. Even after he's come to this conclusion and gone through all of these things, he's still saying, God, investigate me. Make sure that I have this right. Okay? Find out everything about me. The good man desires to know the worst. The good man desires to know the best of his life. We build our lives on the good things. 
of our life. Not the worst things. We build our lives on the good things of our life. The good man desires to know the best and keeps building the best because the best will overcome the least. What you focus on, you become. God, help me to see, to understand the best of my life. Okay, Say that. I want to know the best of my life. Ready? I want to know the best of my life. I want to know the best of my life. God, reveal, investigate me. Know the best of my life, the rarity of the of my life, the rare things of my life, my fingerprint, the great qualities of who I am. He wants to know them. Cross-examine and test me. Look at all the trials. Look at the difficulties. They're the cross-examining. Do you really believe this, David? Do you really think that this is the best? Do you really think that you're rare? I'm medium rare, you know? Just some people are well done. And then I love this one. It says, get a clear picture of what I'm about. God, get a clear picture of what I'm about and show me the picture. Did you ever do this? Somebody ever take a picture on your cell phone? What did you first thing you said? Show me the picture. Right? No, that's after you see the picture. <laughs> after you see the picture, oh, delete that one. Delete it. No, don't show me the picture. Oh, you know, put your tongue in, David. You know, <laughs> fix your hair. <laughs> don't have anything to fix. But so take a picture of my life and show me the picture and then see for yourself. God, see for yourself. Show me whether I've done anything wrong and guide me on the road to eternal life. We're on the road. We're on the road to eternal life. God, lead me on this road. Behind me, in front of me, above me, beneath me. Investigate, take a picture, show me the picture. Allow the truths of your word to guide me and reveal to me the rarity of who I am. The rareness. Rare? No one's like you. No one has your qualities. No one has your abilities. Show me how unique I am and continue to, deveal, continue to develop and to build these things to me. Take a picture, God. Show me it and help me on this path. Shall we stand? Amen. Ready? <laughs> ready? Are we ready? Are we ready? For what? I don't know. Show me the path. Show me the picture. <laughs> How about that one? Show me the picture. Ready? Show me the picture. God's taking the picture. God, show it to me. Amen? Father, thank you. That you love us and your, our qualities, O oh Lord, are very unique and very rare. We thank you, Lord, that you develop them. God, you, you show them to us. And God, that we continue to just build upon our lives of what you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the beauty that is in our life. Help us, oh God, that we may see it. The creativity of God that opens our minds and our hearts and our lives to you. Because what, 
your truth is, is slotted to fit exactly into our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.